Hello, this is the Alchemist Inkwell. It is your spiritual podcast for grounded people. <laughs> I'm Emily. And I am Crystal Lynn. And today we have a very special guest with us. This is Nikita. Nikita is amazing with all things yoga and is here to help us clear some things up with things we might know and things we might not know. So please tell us more about yourself. So I'm Nikita. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a 33-year-old, almost forgot my age there, um, yoga instructor and educator living in London, UK. Um, and yeah, I've been teaching for about eight years now um, and educating for the last two, nearly three years. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah um, you want to go? After you, Emily, for sure. <laughs> Okay, do that. I was just going to ask, so how did you get into yoga as, you know, a spiritual, meditative, physical practice? What drew you to yoga? Um, so there's, there is no short story for this, but um, <laughs> so yoga is something that has actually run through my heritage for, since I was, God knows, like young, a very young age, basically. Um, it's, it's a part of who who I am because I've grown up with it um being that my parents and grandparents have taught me and my siblings it from a very young age so although it wasn't the yoga that you see nowadays which is usually the physical aspects of asana um it's it was more of a form of devotional which is called bhakti yoga so we would chant and do prayers and this is the type of yoga that was passed on to us from like my granddad he would wake up at 4am every day um pray to deities and also like chant and he'd also write stuff down so like one of the forms in med of yoga of meditating sorry is writing stuff down um and it's called likit so when we write stuff down, it's also a form of meditation. Um, mm -hmm. If you re repeatedly write stuff down. And so this is something that he used to do. And I used to do that with him when I was younger as well. So although it's not what we see nowadays, it is, it is yoga, but the other elements of yoga that are less spoken about nowadays too. Um, and so, yeah, this is like the yoga that I was used to growing up. Um, and it's weird as well, because it's not the yoga that I wasn't told that this is yoga as I was practicing. So because it's a part of us, it's not something that our grandparents or parents would be like, this is you practicing yoga. We would just know it as like mantras or um praying or pujas which are ceremonies um religious ceremonies so we wouldn't it wouldn't be referred to as yoga so when i initially came onto the path eight years ago of the yoga that everyone knows now it was actually because of a skydive that went wrong so i took part in a a skydive that i organized actually from <laughs> a job that i was at at the time and it was a charity skydive. So I wanted to raise money for one of the charities that I held close to my heart at the time. And I'd done a tandem skydive where I ended up fracturing my lumbar spine. Um, 
and I was told that the only way to fix it was to have surgery where they put screws in my spine. Um, and because I didn't want to go down this route, I started to seek out alternative methods of healing. Um, and a couple of friends had recommended yoga. And going back to what I was saying before, this is a yoga that I thought that I hadn't practiced yoga before. So I've come to it as anyone else would come to it now. Um, and I, I thought, oh, I've never actually tried that before. Let me give it a go. So I started to like look at people on YouTube and practice that way. And I really found that it started to help the agony that I was in with the back injury. Um, and I was actually quite glad as well because I found that after having some pain um, treatment for, for the injury, I didn't need to have the surgery for it because I was kind of healing it through this practice. Um, and I also found that it kind of helped my mental health as well. So I've always suffered from anxiety and depression. It's been a running theme from a very young age since about the age of eight or nine. Um, and it's come and gone like in bouts throughout my life. Um, and I couldn't work out why, but yoga was helping helping subside those symptoms um, and I didn't actually understand it either um, I just knew that this is what helped it so I continued um, and quite early on in the practice I did I knew where yoga originated but I something didn't sit right with me about how it was being practiced and portrayed from a western lens so I started mm -hmm. to kind of I started to question it, but not speak up about it. Um, because I also thought that to be a good teacher, you have to do handstands or the split. So I kind of made myself, I set myself those kind of goals where I won't be able to teach a good class until I can do these poses myself. And I, and I thought that that's what it was about. So I had such a narrow scope about it myself at first too. Um, oh. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I'm so gonna put my dogs talk. outside. Do we want to pause really quickly? Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of an incredible story. That's so much holistic healing, and it really does sound like yoga is more than just the movements. It can be really much more of a lifestyle, and even specifically a cultural lifestyle. And I know that on TikTok, your platform very much involves the decolonization of yoga, clarifying the actual roots of it. And we would love to hear you share more about that. Yeah, so um, like I was saying before, the, the, I didn't actually speak up about this stuff until a couple of years ago where I really found I was like five or six years into my practice and I really found that along my journey, there were a lot of things that didn't resonate with me, didn't sit right with me. I saw a lot of underrepresentation of colored people in, people of color, sorry, in, um, in the yoga and wellness world. And I, I just found it hard to, not say anything or not speak up about it anymore there are also a couple of brands who had approached me for being an ambassador for their company and 
they would use like a, a Sanskrit word for their com company, but have no representation of any native teachers or any any of the BIPOC community. Yeah. Um, so I just I had to start to, to do something about it. Um, and also not being heard in my teacher training as well, when, when there are a couple of teachers who would do the chanting in the morning and these are teachers who are teaching groups of 25 like every every other month so you can imagine how many people they're putting the wrong thing out to and when I did say to one of them this is the way that it should be said like you're saying one of the words wrong and it's a prayer that I've been grown up with like I've grown up with and I've said every single day before I go to bed so if, if I'm telling you that something isn't right and you're not listening to it but you're still continuing to to put that out there it's very disrespectful from for people from this culture yeah um so so yeah I I all of that and plus more happened over the years and I it just came to a point where I felt like change really needed to be made um and I've never always been a person to speak up about things so it was very it was quite a scary thing for me um to start speaking up about but I think being from this culture and having this in my heritage kind of made me feel more at ease with it um because prior to me speaking up I felt like I wasn't allowed to speak up about it um even though it is something from my own heritage. So yeah, I started to speak up about it on social media like Instagram um, and then TikTok. And it wasn't actually until this year where one of my posts on TikTok just kind of went viral and it just all blew up from there. Um, and there were a lot of the thing with social media as well and with this work is that people perceive it in the wrong way and there are a lot of there's a lot of negativity that comes with it as well as with a lot of things but especially with this work when we're talking about sensitive topics such as the colonization of yoga whitewashing white fragility um white supremacy um I feel like people don't like hearing those things and it's so important that we speak on these things because otherwise it further leaves us oppressed and as people say like why 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 do we not all want to be like one community or it's not about us all being one because we're not because that's just bypassing the facts that we all have different identities but from different backgrounds but um so yeah I just wanted to start speaking up about it a bit more and it it did come with a lot of um backlash as well but and it still does but I don't think I, I'll ever stop <laughs> I was just I think it's amazing yeah. um personally I've never I've practiced a decent amount of different types of yoga and it always has struck me that it was never 
run by a BIPOC individual. There was no acknowledgement to sources where they got the information. It was they typically learned from a white person how to do this thing. And it was always Kristen and I focus a lot on source material in our work quite a bit, especially her with astrology. And so it's always a lot of value for us in that space. So I deeply appreciate that you are actively bringing attention to this because it is your culture and it deserves to be known that it's your culture and that you would be the, you know, one of the authorities on that space and how it should be held, whether in the Western world or not. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that's some of the problem as well that with, so my account has on TikTok has grown quite a bit to the point where I see a lot of comments and when I've looked at my analytics, 70% of that audience is from the US and there have been a lot of people who have come to me in the comments being like I didn't know that yoga was from India genuinely I thought it was created by a white woman in the west um so hearing this on a regular basis that makes me want to throw up just a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so hearing that on a regular basis as well um only makes me want to do this even more because I feel like there's just so much wrong with the wellness industry and there are still a lot of people just choosing to remain ignorant to to what's going on because they they're so used to the way that they practice um and I'm not shutting anyone down for practicing the wrong way but once you have learned the right way or you're learning you're you're hearing authentic teachers speak then I feel like taking something from them would probably be very beneficial to your practice rather than you practicing probably the wrong way and you're not reaping the full benefits of this practice as well yeah yeah there's a a very similar thing in even astrological magic where you have to be as close to the source as possible because you're not going to get the result Mm -hmm. that is promised in the practice if you're winging it or if you're adjusting it too much same as with even something as simple as a cooking recipe yeah if you stick to uh, i saw this on tiktok too where people are taking uh other cultures foods and just changing them and then claiming they're still the same food by that point it's something different and so if you're going to claim that something is that original thing let it be the original thing embrace it for what it is and what it always was supposed to be so you can get the results that it promises so I'm yeah. really glad you're raising raising awareness for this. Thank you. Yeah. Question on that too. For all those people that maybe do already have a practice or they're really attached to yoga, what would be something that you wish everyone knew about like yoga's history or its origins or anything like that? Um, there are a lot of people like this. And, and like I said, most of what I see nowadays is from the engagement that I get on my posts, especially on TikTok. So a lot of people do come to me and they're like, but I've been using this practice to help my healing and my mental health and I won't give it up and I won't start speak, I won't start using spirituality with it. And um, they kind of get their back up about it. But I wish that people knew that this practice is spiritual. I wish that they would do some reading on it so that they can know that you can't separate the two. Um, So many people fight so hard to to say that they don't have to be spiritual to practice yoga because of the way that it's been marketed in the West. Um, 
you just can't remove that it's it's removing its origins and it's completely diluting and distorting this practice um so i yeah i wish they would like kind of gain some background into it i mean if we're talking about chakras and nadis and all these energy centers and prana which is vital energy like this is all to do with spirituality as well um and so I don't understand how you can separate the two, but then it always goes back to when we're talking about nadis and energy centers and chakras, people don't see that as yoga, as part of yoga, because of the way that it's been marketed, because people only see yoga as one thing, which is the physical postures. So that's why they're like, we can't, we can't be spiritual and practice yet. We don't have to be, it's just an exercise. It's just a stretch. Um, so I wish people would stop referring to it as just that and kind of separate the two, um, kind of see yoga as, as spirituality. And if you want to do yoga to practice something else, I understand that it might be helping your mental health or your healing. Um, but if you're not open to the spiritual aspects of it, then I would suggest trying something else because there are alternative methods of healing as well and um, that can be used. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and I appreciate that you honor that, that it is such a spiritual practice and you understand that it can help people for healing, but if they're not using it in its whole sense, they're healing less anyway. Like if they yeah. used it more spiritually, it would be better healing force too exactly. yeah so where would you suggest someone who has felt enlightened by the story you've just shared and now they're like well i want to take the next step in honoring the tradition of this i want to get back to the source where would you suggest someone begin that research and that exploration i would say another thing that's left out in modern or western yoga is not having a guru or a, a teacher, a guide, a mentor, um, finding one who is native to the practice. Um, my one is in India and I have Zoom calls with him. So there isn't an excuse of not finding one in your area really. Um, and I understand that there might not be enough resources out there, but once you start searching, you do find this just that we are native practitioners are actually buried in this practice. So we're not the first ones to come up. You do have to do your research, unfortunately, but this all ties into the work that I'm doing. Um, so finding native teachers and learning from them primarily, not only to learn an authentic way, in an authentic way, but also to elevate our voices and uplift us in, in our own practice. Um, it just, that's what makes sense to me. And also probably reading um, yogic texts, um, the main text being the Bhagavad Gita, that is where, that is yoga. And if you really try to understand that and learn that, um, you are automatically practicing yoga. It doesn't have to be on the mat. So also just understanding that your practice doesn't have to be something that you do physically on the mat you can be doing practices that you carry into everyday life and say you practice yoga because you you are if you are living truthfully without harming people or practicing the other limbs of yoga just in in your everyday life 
you are you're already doing it yeah is is there aspects of yoga that are like a closed practice for people that are just you know of your heritage like is is there some of it where it's like no this is not supposed to be for everybody are there boundaries to respect Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say it's a closed practice at all um it does have its roots in Hinduism um, and Hinduism isn't a closed practice it's it's open um it's just the only ask is that not to disregard the spirituality again because it is Hinduism is spiritual as well so it's not about kind of taking that part and just dissecting it and take choosing cherry picking what you want to take from it um so yeah there was I wouldn't say it's a closed practice. I would say that just to practice respectfully and authentically. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I just always want to make sure that there isn't anything that, you know, because especially in like the witch, witchy community and and spiritual community, most recently it's been like white sage is actually a closed practice and yet it was mass marketed as this cleansing tool, but it's closed. And so I always want to be really conscious of that when talking about these practices that have been so mass marketed to make sure that there isn't boundaries that need to be understood that have been just like stomped. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would, I would say that the only thing that, um, so we're talking more about cultural appropriation is more about kind of the deities being misused, Hindu deities being misused and um, Bindis being misused. I would say that that's quite, um, has a significance to Hindus and I wouldn't tell you to go around wearing them just as a, a fashion statement. Um, so those kind of things also have some religious meaning behind them too so mm-hmm. i would yeah i wouldn't recommend doing those kinds of things um and then a lot of people also associate like om and ganesh with yoga and also disrespect these things and symbols and they they kind of put them on the floor or like you see them misused quite heavily in like I've heard wild stories about them being on toilet seats um, in studios or um, deities being on the floor. And it's just very disrespectful. There's been one recently, actually, in the past couple of days where there's been a big uproar about um, one of our deities being used on a swimwear swimwear piece. So (laughs) literally on the bikini bottom, and on and on the top as well so um yeah i would say that those kind of things aren't aren't for for the purposes of aesthetics yeah, that's just horrific it, like, that is it would never so occur to me to put an image like that on a bikini yeah oh, yeah. oh my god wow okay yeah <laughs> well thank you for for in you know bringing that to our attention and to everybody who's listening um, so would it be, um, aligned with you to share a little bit more about the value of, um, all of these things that are kind of, they have been taken out of context and appropriated. What are the, the true meanings and how can our, um, our listeners and anyone who encounters this really honor and respect, um, I'm going to say the names wrong, uh, cause I, again, I'm not very, uh, well-versed, but. Yeah 
you know, the deities and where is a, a great position for them and how can they do better? Um, so any deities, like they should be on a shrine or like they belong in temples or even on, on a shelf. Um, they should never be put on the floor. Yeah, um, or a toilet. Growing up as well, like something that my granddad also used to say to us, like is that books shouldn't be on the floor on their feet either. So it's just kind of disrespectful to put them in those places. So kind of, yeah, just creating an actual space for them as you would like with a flower vase, like you wouldn't find that on the floor. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like just making sure that they're put in a, in a good place um, and used for their actual purposes. Um, there are multiple purposes um for them so i won't go through them right now but um yeah you can you can also research that and like use them for for their actual purpose because some people just have like lord ganesh in in their room or on on a kind of tapas tapestry tapestry mm -hmm. tapestry <laughs> um and they don't even know what it's for. So I'd also say kind of just knowing the meaning behind these things, like even when you're saying Om or the word Namaste, that, mm -hmm. that has been like very heavily appropriated. Um, knowing the meaning behind it before you're just kind of just saying it out without, just because it, it seems to have been associated with yoga. So you might think that you look like a better yoga teacher and you might think you know what you're talking about um if you say those those words they're kind of just like what's the word like not gold words but like buzzwords buzzwords that's the one <laughs> buzzwords for 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 people who are yoga teachers because mm -hmm. they've heard it before um and also just being mindful of like how we're saying things and what we're calling things as well mm -hmm. so just on that as well like a lot of people have learned to say the word chakras as chakras and the actual word learned. yeah yeah I'm very happy yeah. to be corrected thank you <laughs> um and and a lot of people are kind of like why do you like why is why do, why can't you just let people say it the way that they want to because it just adds to the dilution of, of this whole practice. Um, it's a Sanskrit word and it should be pronounced correctly or at least attempted to be pronounced correctly. I understand people have accents and stuff. So it's not to say that you shouldn't bring your, you should bring an Indian accent into it or, um, but yeah, just to kind of be mindful of that and using Sanskrit terms in yoga, like, Sanskrit has been removed from yoga so much in in Western yoga that it's probably less associated with yoga than than spirit like like how spirituality isn't um, associated with yoga. Sanskrit isn't as well. So these things are kind of adding to the dilution of the practice too. Um, and I've had a lot of teachers as well kind of say to me like. I find it hard to learn but to me it's an excuse because a lot of teachers say shavasana 
um, that's a Sanskrit term. So why are we not using the rest of them where we can? Um, mm -hmm. It's also not my first language. It's a language that I've learned since I've started to learn yoga. So if someone from this background can learn it, I guess like anyone can. <laughs> oh, and if you have the passion about this, the topic, learning becomes a lot easier. So if someone's finding that it's hard for them to learn, maybe they're not on the right path to begin with. Uh, you know, Emily and I both know that from our own experiences, tangentially, astrology has a lot to learn too. But if you're passionate about it, you find the resources, you absorb them, and it becomes easy because it's aligned. So clearly for you, it absolutely is. And that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Is there, so yoga goes so far beyond just the movements, which mm -hmm. so many people think of just, you know, like sun salutation, that's yoga and there's all there is to it. So is there something simple or tangible or easy that you recommend people start doing that's outside of that practice just to start easing them into understanding the depth that is the full practice of yoga and all its forms um yeah so there are um the the thing with yoga as well like you just said it is a very it's a practice that's in depth and I've had this conversation with teachers before where they're like if you're just throwing like Sanskrit terms and yogic philosophy at people they're not going to be interested and on one hand it's true but then on the other hand it's like but this is yoga so mm -hmm. I feel like there's no running away from the otherwise again you're not you're not getting the actual benefits or you're not getting the actual meaning behind what everything is in yoga um, and I don't think anyone will ever get to the bottom of Hinduism or yoga because it's just it's not linear at all and it, there's many many layers to certain things like you'll look up one thing and it will have like it'll branch off into another eight so is there's so much to learn I just don't think anyone will ever ever get get it all um, so I think it's just about your intention and also kind of learning what you can um, from the sources that you have, but also kind of researching into the, the origins. So whenever you see something that you want to do with yoga, I'd say to look if look at look up if there is actually um an original source for that so by that I mean like for an example recently as well um there was uh, on one of my recent TikTok videos one, one lady was doing like this um rubbing her nails and she's she said yeah did you you saw it I think I've seen that original video before yeah yeah and she was yeah saying to use this as a hair growth technique um and so I, I stitched the video and I said this is actually called um balayam yoga and it, it is used to prevent hair loss and and for hair growth as well um and whatever it was I, I kind of just put out the actual name of it but I think if if someone who was new to that video kind of just googled hair rubbing I mean sorry rubbing nails um, in Google they would get like a rubbing nails exercise for hair growth and do it for three minutes and kind of that's it but if you're actually if, if you're using the term that I 
that I suggested. Like if you Googled Balayan yoga, you would get a whole heap of benefits, um, contraindications, you would get how long to practice for, where this is from, why we do it. Um, so there's a big difference as well. Like when you are trying to learn about stuff, really knowing where these things originate from. Um, sorry, I just went on a, on a tangent and I don't even think no, about it. It's very actually. important. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. So kind of a different question then, I guess, is what is something that is like your favorite part about yoga? Like you've been at it for a long time and you're still going and it's still such a passion of yours, which we can tell just through the way you're speaking. Like what makes it so exciting still? Like what, what draws you in continually? I just feel like it has an answer for everything in, in life in general. Um, so like I said before, like I've always suffered from depression and anxiety. Um, and I feel like if you're a person who suffers from depression and who's always trying to find answers for stuff, because I know I am one of those people, um, I feel like it does have an answer for for things where you might not not find the answer from like a therapist or 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 just a general book. Um, there are certain things that it teaches you that you're just like, now oh, that makes sense now, like. I've done this from a young age and now that makes sense like it's not it's not just something that happens in a classroom or on the mat it's something that is literally lived by and you do develop a greater sense of self-awareness and you can develop resilience and so many other things like it's just it's just continuous into your life and that's what I like, I love about it. I love that's that. beautiful. The fact that it can be just in every facet and just provides that support and foundation in yeah. every day. That's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. So you've mentioned your like TikTok work and stuff like that mm -hmm. quite a bit. Would you share with our listeners a little bit more about like where they can find you and, and stuff that you're doing um, to continue to educate in this way? Uh, because you are one of the best resources that we can think of. So we would love for people to at least begin their research with you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so I actually do monthly Roots of Yoga workshops. So it's actually called A Beginner's Guide to the Roots of Yoga, where I discuss everything from cultural appropriation to the colonization and how to decolonize the practice. Um, I'm working on getting these on demand so that we're not going to be running them live now. Um, but the next one, and I'm hoping is the last one that's going to be live, is going to be in May, um, May the 17th. Um, and I'm also currently working on a membership platform where um, there will be access to loads of resources. Um, there will be access to... Um, practices that aren't just asana um also youtube i have a few videos on there not as many as i'd like but there are enough if you are getting started on your journey um and yeah instagram to learn more about cultural appropriation and decolonizing and kind of even tiktok like i speak a lot on there about stuff i, I probably speak there the most <laughs> than i do anywhere else so you can learn a lot from there as well. 
Um, so those are all free resources. The workshops are obviously paid for. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say there are other people as well who are great resources like um, Dejan Yoba. She has, Matthew's based in the US as well, has a big platform and really uplifts the voices of South Asian teachers. She has so many teachers on there. Um, and she also has a podcast called The Yoga is Dead podcast, um, which I would highly recommend listening to as well. Um, so yeah, um, that's where I'd say to find me. <laughs> What's your, your handle on social media? It's Nikki Yoga, N-I-K-Y-Y-O-G-A. Gotcha. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Is there any final thoughts that you would want to leave our listeners with or that you want to just, you know, remind people of or anything in this or just whatever comes to you, I guess, also, mm -hmm. which is tends to be how we flow. So yeah. if there's anything that comes out, we're good with it. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, I feel like we've covered like a load of stuff. Like I said, like before we started, I feel like we could, I could talk on this for days because People always have a lot of questions, even after you've kind of broken down things and explained things, they still kind of, I feel like people still get their back up because they want to practice in the way that they have been practicing or the way that they've learned um, all this time. Um, I'd say to really start to listen to what native practitioners have to say um, and kind of ask yourself why they are the minority in this practice, in their own practice. Um, also start to learn from them because I feel like you're not gonna get a more authentic experience than you are from a native practitioner. Not just saying it because I am one, but if I know if I was seeking an alternative form of healing that came from indigenous people, I would wanna go to the source to learn. Um, I wouldn't wanna go to someone unless they were super authentic I, I don't think I'd want to go uh, the first choice I'd make is to go to someone who is native to the practice yeah absolutely well alchemists and everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in um we will also link all of Nikita's stuff down below this episode, either in the show notes, if you're listening to it or on YouTube in the, like the description section, if you're watching us. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. And we genuinely thank you so much for coming. We so support your work. And the second we saw you on TikTok, we're like, oh, we need to have you on. This is so aligned and so beautiful. And what you're doing matters incredibly deeply and is so energetically high vibration and just really beautiful. So Thank you for wanting to come chat with us. We really deeply value you. Yeah, I really appreciate the support and for you having me on here. Like I said, it's been very difficult um, to get our voices heard in, in spaces in the wellness industry. So, um, so yeah, I'd say also for anyone listening to kind of make our voices heard a bit more as well. <laughs> yeah, one of the most so. potent forms of magic in modern day is lifting up other voices and using your endorsement, which can be as simple as tapping a video and giving it a heart so that the algorithm amplifies it. So to anyone who's listening, you have that power every day. So it's, it's definitely a, an option and something that's within everyone's realm of influence. Yeah, definitely.
So in addition to that amazing interview that we just had, and it was so wonderful getting to talk to Nikita, um, we wanted to update you on just a little bit of the astrology and energy that is coming your way this week that you, so you can be prepared. Yeah. So <laughs> don't panic. We have a Mercury retrograde coming. <laughs> yeah. And here's a fun fact about Mercury retrograde. You've literally lived through this so many times. You probably don't even know how many times because Mercury retrogrades the most often <laughs> it does it three or four times a year. So I know rec- Mercury retrograde gets a reputation for being this chaotic wrecking ball that just comes through and ruins everything. And yeah, it glitches things, but honestly, this is, this is a hot take or maybe not, but it's, it's a well thought out take, but I'm going to call it a hot take. Um, that's on us. <laughs> it is our fault. If Mercury ruins everything, because all Mercury is doing is say, Hey, let's do a double check of this. And we get mad because culture and society has programmed us that if you didn't get it right the first time you've failed. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want anybody, if you've learned anything from this Mercury retrograde or from this podcast in general, it is that taking things at your own pace and revisiting things is not failure. Rushing things to the point of not being connected to it and not being conscious and present with it is not failure either, but it is a setup for a feeling of feeling ungrounded and a feeling of being out of control and out of resources. And speaking of resources, much of this Mercury retrograde is happening in Taurus, which is the sign that kind of brings about the themes of finances, resources, natural sources, and other things that support our livelihood, that which we surround ourselves with to feel supported, um, mostly in a tangible and material sense. So thinking about that, we do have Mercury retrograding between the degrees of um, four Gemini. So the fourth degree, well, technically the fifth, but anyway, the fourth degree of Gemini, because signs start on zero degrees. And I'm just really proud of myself for memorizing that the fourth is technically the fifth. It took me a while to get there. So thank you guys for holding space for my victory. Um, And it's going to retrograde all the way back to 26 Taurus. 26 Taurus is interesting because it is the degree where the lunar eclipse occurs. And it's also Mm -hmm. the degree of a little star known as Algol, which we'll be talking about more as we talk about the lunar eclipse. And it is already mentioned in my May astrological overview, which you can find on the Forgotten Storytellers YouTube. There's actually a linked timestamp to the lunar eclipse. So you can jump straight to it if the video is a bit longer than your tastes. are, are geared towards, which I don't blame you. <laughs> I always lose my voice when I record those. And this time I built it in that I was like, you need to take a drink. And so do I. So I built a spot for myself to actually take a drink. So I wouldn't lose my voice this month, which worked. So thinking about that, what can you build into your schedule? What can you build into your routine that gives you that brief refreshment moment? So you can take a breath, you know, quench your thirst and take things slowly and assess the situation that is going on around you, starting in um, Gemini for the Mm -hmm. first bit of it, and then moving really into Taurus. Look at where those fall in your chart, those areas of life, those houses in your chart are where you may have already noticed themes coming up because Mercury does have what is called pre-shadow and post-shadow and shadow sounds scary, It's not. It's just what happens on either side of a light. (laughs) So while Mercury is moving backwards, it first has to cover those degrees in order to recover them. So we call pre-shadow the time that it takes for Mercury to cover 
26 Taurus to four Gemini, which it has already done. It started doing that on the 26th of April. So by the time that you are listening to this, you're already kind of in the midst of some of the themes that may be given extra time to be addressed during Mercury retrograde. And then there is post shadow, which will begin on June 3rd as the retrograde stations direct again. And then that will complete on June 18th as Mercury does a final run through of the degrees of 26 Taurus to four Gemini and then continues to move forward. So that's Mercury retrograde. So what day is that officially going into retrograde? It officially goes into retrograde on May 10th. So April 26th to May 10th is the pre-shadow phase. It stations retrograde on May 10th, begins moving backwards until June 3rd, then stations direct again and moves forward and recovers those degrees through June 18th and then moves forward on fresh territory or fresh ground in its domicile of Gemini. So um, really the only thing left to talk about is general themes to avoid or to keep in mind during the retrograde. Mm-hmm. This is one where I would say don't make huge purchases unless you want them to take a while, unless you want to be able to revisit them and you want to set yourself up for the opportunity to be asked to look at it again. I know someone who started a job during Mercury retrograde and they shared with me that it wasn't a bad thing because every Mercury retrograde now they get revisited with their contract. And sometimes that means giving themselves a raise or redefining their, um, their job description. And so that turned out to be a good thing for them. They get to revisit and revise the contract that they established during a Mercury retrograde. That kind of stuff can happen. But if you're looking for something to be solid and, and supportive and sturdy and enduring without you having to babysit it, then this may not be the perfect time to start it. That's why, Emily, I made sure that we got Mercury and Gemini before <laughs> the retrograde right. with that fun little announcement that we'll be sharing with you soon. There's a tease for you. So yeah, keeping track of your budget revisiting Mm -hmm. any subscriptions that no longer support you, that no longer really fit your priorities, checking into your values, making sure that the people you're surrounding yourself with, the um, everything around you reflects your values. It already does. And if you don't like what you see around you, check in with your values and then start acting according to them. And then the world outside will start reflecting the world within. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful, absolutely wonderful tip on that. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it doesn't feel like a scary boogeyman sort of retrograde where sometimes they do, where you're like, oh no, I feel the energy coming in. That's not the way that it looks or feels at all. And one note, when you were talking about how we define failure, I saw this the other day and it really made me think about it and it's not been off my mind. So I'm just going to share it with everyone here so that maybe it can help you too. We also tend to define failure about something's inability to last forever, regardless of Mm -hmm. whether or not it was aligned with us. So for example, like if you were to open up a coffee shop and then after a couple of years, it was no longer fun for you. And so you closed it down, like it's seen as a failure when it's really not. And so reassessing Mm -hmm. that alignment in how you address things is super important. Yeah. And if someone else has a definition of failure, don't let that be put on you. Yeah. If someone else defines failure by changing directions and you feel like changing directions and they start getting, uh, having feelings about that, that's not your thing to deal with. That's actually them dealing with it. Another thing to keep in mind is that on the very same day on May 10th, Jupiter will be moving out of Pisces and into Aries. 
during its stay in Aries, it will meet up with um, Mars, but we'll be talking about that later in the month. If you want to look at that now, that is also in the May astrological overview. But Jupiter is really bringing the expansion to the heat <laughs> of Aries. So if you think about heat and expansion and those kinds of themes in all of their archetypes and the ways that that might manifest, it's like looking at a tarot card. And the tarot card gives you an archetype and a theme, and that can express in a bunch of different ways that really fit the theme. Like I said, we'll be talking about that more as Jupiter makes connections throughout its time in Aries so that we end up really noticing that. But you may notice that things start really moving and that we get maybe even a little too ambitious because mm -hmm. Jupiter is bringing the, I can handle all the things, I'm so expansive. And we have this Mars ruled sign of Aries, this fire cardinal, let's get this going, starting the race kind of thing saying, I can do all the things, I'm not gonna think too far ahead because all that exists is right now. And sometimes we end up biting off a little bit more than we can chew. And with Mercury retrograding in Taurus, I feel like that's a little bit appropriate as well. So just keeping in mind that this is a good time, even though you may feel the pressure to move quicker and you may feel a little bit extra impatient and a little bit possibly even over optimistic, um, just give yourself the opportunity to count to three muscle tests say, Hey, is this what I want? Is this really cool? Or is it like a passing thought that I can honor apply to something else and let flow. Um, those are some great ideas for this Mercury retrograde. Yeah. And then we have a lunar eclipse coming up that we will talk about in the next episode because I know everyone's yeah. already thinking about that. So if you're <laughs> yeah. it, we will talk about it. I promise. It's just not yet. It's on yep. the 15th if you're on the East Coast, 16th if you're on the West Coast, somewhere in between, <laughs> somewhere in between of the US. Um, so it's one of those ones that happens in the middle of the night. And so it spans multiple dates. But yeah, awesome. Sorry about my ringtone. That's the um, Ein theme from Cowboy Bebop. Ein is the corgi in Cowboy Bebop. And uh, if you know me, you know why that's my ringtone. So fun little bonus for you there. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, we hope that you have an amazing week this week. And we hope that you go, go make, make some, some magic. magic.